Welcome to the Toss Mills Odoi Macarius podcast. Toss Mills Odoi is an apostle, teacher, and a sought-after speaker in international Christian leadership conferences. He is the son of Bishop Dag Hewitt Mills, who is the founder of the United Denominations and a best-selling author. With over 20 years' experience in church planting around the world and in the training and sending of missionaries, Apostle Toss currently serves at the Kadesh in Accra, Ghana, a vibrant church seeking to win the lost at all cost. He is also a director in the Dagwood Mills Ministries. Now, listen to Toss Mills Odoi. You see, I think that the, the, the problem of modern day Christianity is selfishness. I think the problem, the, there's only one problem, is selfishness. You see, but selfishness is the opposite of everything that is Christian. I mean, if you look at Jesus, he came to die for others. He lived for others. When it was time for food, I mean, look, somebody once said, now listen to this, so it's about me and my people. Somebody once said that in Jesus' day, one pastor, which is Jesus, fed the 5,000. But today, 5,000 people feed the pastor. <laughs> when I saw it, I laughed. They said, when Jesus was here, one Jesus fed 5,000, but in today's world, 5,000 people feed one Jesus. <laughs> hey! People are bad, though. But, I believe that the problem of modern-day Christianity is selfishness. We think about ourselves we think about our comfort. We think about how much more money we can get. We think about how many more cars we can buy. We think of how many more clothes we can wear. And you know, we don't even consider the person sitting next to us. Who doesn't have much? We think of how, how much more we can do with our time. So you see that when it's time for evangelism, Nobody counts because it is my time. And I don't want to share my time with anyone else. But in John chapter 4, when Jesus was with the people, you know, he told them, don't say, don't say that there are yet four months unto the harvest. Don't say that there's time. But now it's my time, but there's more time for others. He, then Jesus said something. He said, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white unto harvest. Lift up your eyes. Stop looking at yourself. Where you, see, where you look at yourself, you look down. Where you look up, you see others. And many of us, you see, your, your problems seem bigger or your problems seem big because you are looking at yourself. As soon as you lift up your eyes and you stop seeing your problems. And you see that other people's problems are even more than yours. It will help you to take the right decisions. You look at the politicians. You know, look, there's no politician who lives beyond Kanda. They don't know Kadeshi. What is Kadeshi? Dansoman. What is Dansoman? They know Dansoman in terms of constituency. They don't 
don't know anything about dance, oh man. Botiano, dear, no. They know, they, they know Botiano as a place to pass to Kaswa to go and campaign. They don't know Botiano. Because where they live, cantonments, rage. Even Labondi, they don't live there. Cantonments, rage. As they go and cry, the newer babies with sharp teeth that live there. The real money politicians, region cantonments. That's where they live. You see the gutter, you can eat kinky and fish in the gutter in rage. Not that you cannot eat kinky and fish in the gutter in Botiano. There's no gutter <laughs> to even not eat kinky and fish there. Because they are consumed with themselves. So they cannot lift up their eyes. See, when, when your eyes are not lifted up, you will consistently make wrong decisions. You know, some months ago, about a year ago, I was talking to the Lord and he showed me that there, you see, the reason why there is so much a new cancers in the world is because of our selfishness. It's like our selfishness has eaten us up so much that it has even entered into our flesh now. Cancer is one part of the body that has become selfish and is thinking of itself alone. That I alone, this small part, I want to grow bigger than any other part of the body. That's cancer. The knee says, I want to grow big. The breast says, I want to grow big. This says, I want to grow big. I don't care what happens to the rest of the body. That's selfishness. And the Lord was showing me that our selfishness, which is a spiritual sin, has become so big that it has even entered like the, the, the concentration is so much that it has even entered our flesh now. I had a meeting in school. He was two doors away from me, the university. Never smoked, never drank. This type of clean, moral, non-Christian people. When we finished school, about two years later, I heard he had died from lip cancer. Cancer of the lips. He doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink. That will never be your portion. Amen. Never be your portion in Jesus' name. You see, but I'm trying to say that uh, when we preach on losing, Suffering. Suffering. Why, why are you going to lose? It, see, there is no gain to you if you lose. You lose so that somebody else can gain. When you give your money to church or you give an offer, you give your tithe, it's so that some people in Bojiasi can have a church building built for them. Not you. For the first time in your life, your giving has no direct benefits to you. It's so we can build a church for some people that you may never see until you die in Huni Valley or in Dix Cove or somewhere in Bibiani. Oh, and some of the places where our missionaries are. Cars can't go there. The gutter is full of mud. Like a river of mud. So that let's say from this pillar to this pillar, you're driven from Accra. When you get to this pillar, there's now a river of mud. So now the car stops here. Then you remove your trousers, you remove your shoes, lift up your trousers, wade through mud to this pillar. Then there's another taxi rank here. 
When you give your tithe and your offerings, it helps to build them a church building there where no car can go. And for the first time, the spirit of selfishness is reduced in our lives. That's why Jesus Christ said, just lift up your eyes. You will see immediately that the fields are white unto harvest. That's why I'm preaching this preaching, but just because of the way you are in the air-conditioned room, I'm trying to preach it in an air-conditioned way. <laughs> we started last week with losing, suffering, sacrifice. So, the Christians of old, they believed in this so much that the Catholic Church, when you went to commit a sin, they would give you a leather belt and you beat yourself. Penition. You beat yourself to blood counts as remorse. But if you were to do that these days, the floor, there'll be blood all over the floor. <laughs> I want to share with you what it means. Because you see, the Bible says in the book of Philippians that for it is appointed unto us. It's part of our appointment. Not only to believe in Jesus, but to suffer for him as well. It's part of Christianity. I remember, you know, even as an unbeliever, I knew these things about Christianity. So I took a quality decision not to be born again. Because I knew what it meant to be born again. You see, but today we've changed what born again is. So now it's easy to even be in the church and be an unbeliever. Oh yes. It's easy to be in the church and be an unbeliever. I was talking to a brother recently. He came to see me about his job for job advice. Born again, tongue speaking. No. But I was talking to him, I said, so as you are not getting married at your age, this, that, that. Do you fornicate? Yes. Then he quickly added, but I don't drink, I don't smoke. I said, look, I'm not asking you about drinking and smoking. And I saw that we've even gotten to the point where we are comfortable with sin as Christians. But I'm saying that me, I knew what it meant to be a Christian. And I said, no, I don't want to be a Christian. My brother prayed for me every night for three years before I'll be saved on the Sabbath field. So as I became a Christian, I knew what I was coming into. I knew I was coming into losing, suffering, sacrifice, and I see, and I think it was by revelation. I saw that the day I step into this lighthouse, I'll be born again. So I took a quote, quality decision, I'll never step into this church. For three years, my brother was an elder. He invited me. I'm not ready to be born again. And truly, the day I made the mistake and entered into that lighthouse church, I got born again that day. I was sitting at the back when the pastor made the altar call and I decided not to lift up my hands. Then I heard a voice. The nonsense must stop. Then I lifted up my hand. <laughs> then I said, come to the front. I said, no, I won't go to the front. But I stood at the back, prayed the sinner's prayer in my heart. And that day I got born again. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. You see, you should understand the Christianity that you've come into. And if you are not prepared, maybe you see, I feel one of the problems is that uh, we are not born again in the church. You see, and you should be careful because uh, the most of, sometimes I even feel that it's better to maybe even stop coming to church. So you know you are not born again. Then that your mind will break you that you need to be born again. But coming to church has a way of deceiving us that we are something we are not. Nicely, I described it to somebody that you see, we should be careful because it is like being a fish and wishing that you are flying in the air. <laughs> you cannot. To be a Christian, you see, I'm not saying go and die, but I'm saying that this is what it means to be a Christian. That is why when Jesus was coming, he said, and lo, I come. As it is written of me in the books to do thy will, O God. Before Jesus came, he knew he was coming to die. But he came. I'm saying that this Christianity you have come into is a religion of losing, suffering, sacrificing, and dying. However, our blessed brothers who practice the religion of Islam seem to embrace this teaching of Jesus even more than us. I was watching some Taliban fighters who had entered Kabul and they were living in the house of one of the warlords. Actually, me, me, the pastor, when I saw the house, I said, wow, there's a forest in the house. Trees, flowers, like four plots of land inside, not the compound, in the building, like where the bedrooms are. There are trees there. Oh, I haven't seen some before. As I was looking at the thing, then they were interviewing one of the Taliban fighters. Then he said, the other, so how do you feel like you've been fighting in the desert? So how do you feel like living in this nice house now? He said, no, this is not nice to me. We are looking forward to Allah's paradise. It will be nicer than this. I tell you. He said, I just said, they are out drinking tea with their guns, waiting to fight. And they were saying that the commanders are not able to control the fighters much because the fighters want to die to go to paradise. So as they have won the battle now, and there's no one to fight. They are not happy because they feel that they have lost their chance to go to paradise through die. Like there's no dying to die now. So they are losing their chance to be martyrs to go to paradise. But you, not to go to paradise. So just evangelism. You no, no, not losing, not suffering, just evangelism. You see, one pastor said that. Uh, Anytime you declare a fast in the church, know that you are the one going to fast. <laughs> Losing, suffering, sacrificing, and dying is Christianity. I think last week we started with your appointment with losing. Matthew 16, 25, he said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life, then he adds an important clause, for my sake shall save it. Because Christians are experts at losing their lives, but not for the sake of Christ. You see, in the past, 
in King David's time, when you go and uh, fornicate or commit adultery, the only thing that can happen is unwanted pregnancy. That's all. Then as sin increased in the 60s and 70s, when you go and commit adultery or fornication, and then you see that as an example, there are other sins. The worst thing that can happen is a bacterial infection. Godoria syphilis. Then you take antibiotics and then you'll be healed. But today, today, that same thing that David Dems used to do, if you do it today, you can get HIV and die from it. An incurable disease. One day, one of my shepherds went to for the kids. And I think the first time, no, the girl got pregnant. So <laughs> when, when they came to tell me, he said, I don't know what to do. She's pregnant. I said, I told you, wait, wait, wait. Let her go and do HIV test first. Depending on the results, they will know the discussion to have. <laughs> yes. I told you that you may be surprised that this unwanted pregnancy is the least of your problems. She should go and do HIV test and comfort before we know what to say. Thankfully, because God is merciful, when the HIV results came, it was negative. Then I said, okay, let's now talk about the pregnancy. Whosoever would, and I was sharing with you last week that the word life here is from the Greek word suke. Which speaks about your soul, your desires, your emotions, you know, your aspirations. And God is saying that you would have to lose your personal aspirations for his sake. I'm not saying stop working. The Bible says that everyone must work. He who does not work must not eat. The Bible says God will bless the work of your hand. The Bible says that um, whatsoever your hands find to do shall prosper. Work is very important. Jesus himself worked. Paul himself worked. Jesus never called unemployed people to call him. He saw employed fishermen. He said, come and follow me. Jesus is not into laziness. Jesus didn't bless laziness and idleness. He blesses the work we are doing. Yeah. But I'm saying that what Jesus is saying that you should lose. You know, when I got born again or before I got born again, my art aspirations Never think of me as somebody who was born to be a priest. <laughs> Before I got born again, my aim in life was to be the youngest judge at the Hague. The Hague is the International Court of Judges where they tried these and Slobodan, Milosevic, and all those guys. I had, to, I had mapped out my life that by, that by the age of 32, I would have been a judge at the Hague. It's true. And if you do law in Ghana, you can never miss my surname, Mel Sodoy. No, no, no. You hear about that name, Mel Sodoy. My grandfather was a chief from Kwame from Kumar's time. You read about the Mel Sodoy Commission. You know, people, you think I'm a small boy. Eh? I can see when I'm preaching, I can see that you think you think that is that is only the Bible I know. I can see no respect for you people. I can see in your eyes. But you read about the Mel Sodway Commission. My grandfather was judged in seven different countries in Africa. South Thomas, so many places. Look, 
and none of his children did law. He was very broken until he died. So when he was dying, you know, I look a lot like him. So all my uncles, grand, everybody said that what his children didn't do, I should do. So they came to plant that vision in me as a small boy. So I said, I'll do it. Hmm. Imagine me a judge. Hey, now you go to prison, oh. Before you're coming, you are in jail. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I saw that God, they showed me that the fastest way to the Supreme Court is through the districts. In Accra, there's politics, so many things. So I said, no, I'll, I'll agree to go to a San Gregoire, San Village. You see, until you are prepared to lose, you can't, even in the secular world, you can't go up. Which of the justices in Accra are you coming to this place? I said, I'll pass through the districts. Soon, by the age of 20-something, I'll be on the street, and I'll use my family name to be maneuvering in the system. When I got born again, I don't even remember when Davishin left. <laughs> but I remember one Saturday morning, we had finished uh, first year. We were going to second year. And we met as university elders at a hotel in Tessano, Crystal Palm, yes. On a Saturday morning, and Bishop was meeting us as elders. And you know, around I think eight o'clock or eight thirty, we heard a plane pass. Then Bishop told us that Elder Joe is in this plane on his way to Gambia as a missionary. You know, and I think it was at that moment that I told myself that I will also become a missionary when I finish school. So my second and third year, I was just a student to just get certificates. You see, but until you lose, I mean, now I've lost that chance to be a judge at the Hague. But I live very rich. Judges, why do you think they give them security guards? Everybody wants to kill them. Afghanistan, the Taliban are looking for the judges who were sentencing them to prison to kill them. Tell me, who is looking for me to kill? You see, you will be surprised that that thing you have given up, that thing you've left up, Jesus Christ said, it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. He said that whosoever will give up his desires for my sake, he shall find it. I see you finding everything that you think you've lost for Christ in Jesus' name. Even as I finished school, my mother was putting pressure on me. He said, look, go and do your master's. My father there, when I told him I won't go and do my master's in America, he virtually disowned me. The only thing he didn't say was that you are no longer my son. He sacked me from his house. It's true. I went to Senegal as a missionary. I came back. Then I went to Gambia as a missionary. I came back. Then he looked at me and said, you know, I did very well in school. I was in the top 5%. I graduated with a 3.9 something something GPA. Oh, yeah. He said, well, you think I'm an uneducated person who just knows the Bible. <laughs> but when I finished, my father got me a scholarship, scholarship to go and do my master's in America. I told him that God says I should become a pastor and missionary. He didn't say anything. Oh. Be careful when people don't say anything. Oh. He didn't say anything. My mother, did. she spoke, ah, your brother said, you are free to go. I told her that. God has told me to stay in Ghana. One day she went to work, came back, I asked her for money to go to church. She said, should she be the one to work? The media, I'll stay at home. Then he said, she'll go and work and come and give me money. No more money. 
Hey! Now I was stranded. Two weeks later, then I got a job in the church. What you think you have given up? Look, you cannot outgive God. What do you have that God is looking for? It is your opportunity to do something for God that you might have a reward. As I look at my life, God has rewarded me. Because look, everybody is giving up things for something. Your time, you are giving it to your job, to your this. Your body, you are giving it to your husband, hopefully. And to something. Your money, you are giving it to the Uber driver, market woman, seamstress. Everybody is giving us something all the time. Because that dress, you can choose not to sew it. But you choose to sew it. It's your choice. But what about God? I'm using my life as a testimony to you. We looked at suffering Philippians 3, 7. Paul said, but what things were gained to me or advantageous to me or or beneficial to me or helpful to me or profitable to me, whatsoever things were gained that would have brought me profit and advancement. He said, those are the things I counted lost for Christ. You see, it is the Christ factor that's important because we are giving up things all the time. You say you are shy to go for evangelism and talk to strangers. Ah, but you see men going for prostitutes all the time. Are the prostitutes their friends? They are also talking to people they don't know for the first time. <laughs> but when they come to Christ, when they are doing marketing, don't you talk to people you don't know? Client relationship manager. These are all the people you know. We are all always talking to people we don't know. But as soon as it's Christ, I'm shy. I don't know what to say. I don't know this. If I talk to them, they won't mind me. If I invite them, they won't come. Is it everybody you go and sell insurance who minds you? One day I went to the bank. When I got there, some girl came to see me. She said, we are doing life insurance. I said, what is life insurance? She said, in case you die. What I told her that day in that bank. eh? (laughs) What I told her that day, like, as I'm talking to you, you are predicting my death and you are making arrangements for my death. What I told that girl that day, I don't think she will forget me. I don't know if I added her parents to that death sentence that she was bringing up. Yeah. You see, but I promise you, the next person who comes to their bank should go and tell the person the same thing. But when it comes to Christ, you see, that's why Christ kept on adding for my sake. The my sake part is what we don't want to do. We can do it for ourselves. But what about him? Paul said, those things that would have been profitable to me, those ones I counted lost for Christ. Then he says, and yea, doubtless, I count all those things but dang for the extra in exchange or so that I can gain the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Then he explains further, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. What do you think you have lost? Reputation? Look, one day I went for evangelism in Gambia. Hey, 
Since I was born, eh? Until that day, I have never been insulted like that before. And from that day until today, I've never been insulted like that again. In an army barracks. And the army cook was the one insulting me. He insulted me about 400 meters. He was walking behind. And the guy, his size would be like one tile. Just look on the floor and look at one tile. That's how his size will be. And he was, as he was sucking me out of the barracks. Look, the words, I can't repeat them through God's microphone. The insults. I can't, God's microphone won't like the words. And crowds were following and looking at us. As was insulting me. What was my crime? Christ. You see, but as I entered church that day, I felt a certain sense of, wow, I've been insulted for Jesus. Because look, I've been insulted by seniors in secondary school. I've been insulted by mother, insulted by father, insulted by brothers, insulted by friends, insulted by somebody whose food you went to eat. Your mother, you went to steal her chicken or you put too much salt in the stew. They insulted you. But what about Christ? Have you ever been insulted for Christ? He said, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. Then he said, and I do count them but that. What is the reason? That I may gain Christ. You see, look, let me tell you people something here. And hopefully to put everything in perspective. Listen, no matter what it is you are doing, no matter what it is you are achieving, no matter what it is you are getting, no matter what it is you are profiting in, it will end up in an empty coffin. Yes. Never forget that. It will put things in perspective. No matter what you are, you will end up in an empty coffin. And then after the coffin, Christ is standing there waiting for you. But I pray that after this message, at least you add a little bit more of Christ to your life. You may not be able to do this, but you can do that. To lose means you will come to be without certain things. There may be little or no prospect of recovering the things you lose. I mean, like I was explaining to you, I can never be there, be a judge at the Hague. Even if I apply that, don't mind me. You know, when I look at the head of the Hague, uh, this woman, um, Fatou Ben Souda, she's a uh, Gambian. Oh, can you believe that the U.S. has put her on her terrorism, on their terrorism list? America. Because some American soldiers went to kill some people in Iraq, and she said she would investigate them. They have sanctioned her. They have blocked all her bank accounts in America. Yes. So she has lost money, lost ability to go to America, lost things, but not for Christ. I say, look, everybody is losing something, but are you losing for Christ? I mean, the day I heard it, I said, ah, but the woman is only doing her work. They've sanctioned her, they blocked her accounts. She cannot go to America. She cannot trade with American banks. <laughs> Loss means to suffer the deprivation of certain things. It's true. You may be a young, pretty girl. Broke. 
Young pretty girl and what? Broke. <laughs> How will you come out of your poverty? Some people will advise you. Use what you have to get what you want. What is the meaning of this parable? <laughs> Use what you have to do what? To get what you want. Then when you ask what do you mean? It's all. It's up to you to interpret. <laughs> like when I be the policeman and I'm bribing them, it's good to not bribe them to <laughs> bore in sour. <laughs> Policemen don't receive bribes. It's a crime. It's a crime. I always tell them, we are men. Help me so I help you. We are, we are men. Then they'll ask me, what do you mean? Then I'll say that, oh, all the power is in your hands. Then they'll tell me, you know what to do. Then I'll say, yes, sir. <laughs> and this is, hey, the police are bad, though. You watch. Now, by every police station, it's a Momo operator. Yes. You can never say you don't have money again. I love Ghana. It's my favorite country in the world. Use what you have to get what you want. The question is, will you? Will Christ sanction it? And that same thing that you have, are you ready to use it for Christ? Or only when there's a direct benefit to you? That's the question you ask ourselves because everybody is losing something. But what is the direction of your loss? To lose also means to be unable to keep or maintain certain things in your life. And to lose means to give up and to forfeit the possession of certain things. You know, when I got born again, one of the first things that made me see that I changed was music. Songs I used to listen to. I remember going to church a few weeks after I'd gotten born again and Bishop was talking about music and its spiritual effects. And then he said that if you have unbelievable music in your house, go and throw it away after church. In those days, in those days, church members used to obey their pastor in those days. So, I remember going home. I had a suitcase. It was like a cassette suitcase. So, there were compartments for tapes in it. I remember going home, taking the suitcase. In those days when church members used to obey their pastors and throw the cassette into a dustbin. It's true. But there were about four cassettes which were new. So I remember giving it to a friend to record Ron Kedoli music on it. In those days, the cassette you can re-record on top of. It's your people, anybody who had not recorded music on a cassette before, uh, you should sit at the back of the church. <laughs> yes. Share a cassette, you could record that. Now the cassette is finished. I'm not giving it to a friend to record Bob Fitz, the river of God. The river of God fills our seas with dancing. The river of God fills our heart with cheer. The river of God is that it? I run for the Lord. Boom, 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 double, boom, double, I'm double, 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 dancing all day long, all day long, all day long. I run for the Lord all day long. It's my heart go. It's make my heart go. Hey, there's not Jesus in the song go. 
Only you make my heart go In those days, eh, you could listen to Christian music and be born again from the music. Oh, yes. The music used to lead you to a deeper relationship with God. But you don't even hear the word before you know that it's telling you about God. Don't sing out here, Jesus. Then you know that, oh, Asuma is a Christian song. <laughs> Number two. Hmm. Number two. After losing, being deprived. You see, let me tell you something. You see, one of the things that even helps you when you willingly lose, don't listen to this part, it's just a small part, is that it even helps you to be a good investor. You train yourself in investing. When you are investing, you lose something now to gain it later or, or to gain more later. Recently, I went to invest. Hey, and when I went there, at the point they told me that you have to pay this amount of money to invest. I said, mm, me, I don't like to lose money. But I saw that there's no way I can get to where I'm getting to if I don't lose something now. You see, but by being a Christian, it is in my DNA, my makeup, my spiritual makeup, that you lose now to gain later. So suddenly, it wasn't so difficult or impossible. So you may think you are doing it for Christ, but at the end, you see that you are doing it for yourself. It helps you. Amen. Amen. Number two, suffering. <laughs> That's the word we don't like at all. Suffering. Are you there? Your appointment with suffering. Look at what the Bible says. I'm just sharing from Bishop losing, suffering, sacrificing, and that. Because of Christ, you will experience an appointment with suffering. Suffering means, this is the Bible, sorry, the dictionary definition. Suffering means you will be subject to pain, distress, loss, injury, or something unpleasant. Have you fasted before? Not diet, fasting. You see, <laughs> on a normal day, you watch. You can be there, then by 2 o'clock, you say, hey, today I'm not eating, no. They say, oh, no, 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 I have to try and eat something. Then you forget. They say, hey, it's 4 o'clock. Try fasting. <laughs> Try fasting. I don't know how the body knows who, but like I don't know if the body has a way of hearing on Sunday that the pastor said fast. Because when you are fasting by 9 a.m., eh, it's like the devil has come to light a fire in your stomach. That is uncontrollable with the headache. I don't know where that headache also comes from. But when it's fasting, suddenly, like your body says, no, I'm dying. No, 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 I, no, I'm dying. But your mind tells you that, ah, no, you won't die. But the body says, no, I'll die. If you fast, you get diabetes. Your ulcer will come. Uh, if you are fasting, that's what happened to this person and they died. 
you remember everybody. Somalia, you remember Somalia, Ethiopia, everywhere, farming. Then you remember that, no, this is the, with the, the, the body say, hey, I'm weak, I can't get up. Hey, my body is in pain. As soon as it's for Christ, there's some resistance from the body that automatically comes. But I see you overcoming that resistance. Because, uh, see, but can't you also see that when you fast, you even feel more like a Christian. You see, that's what I'm saying, that this, that this type of Christianity that we are practicing now with 10 cars, a pastor is talking about 10 cars, even the world can see that these guys are lost. I said, before I became born again, I knew what born again meant, and I said, I'm not ready. Yes. I knew that Christianity meant you cannot even dress in a fashionable way. When I got born again, I threw, maybe it's maybe what a bit extreme. One day my beloved came to tell me that it doesn't mean you are humble. But <laughs> in those days, when I got born again, I stopped wearing nice clothes. Yes, I wanted to look like John the Baptist. <laughs> so I remember that I had some shirts that had worn uh, that the collar was now torn. Those are the ones I used to wear. The Bible says, of whom the world was not worthy. Uh-huh. I don't want the world to like me. So, the shirts I used to wear, the collar is torn. When you look at me, the Bible says, there was no comeliness about him that you should desire him. Yes, those were my scriptures. When I got born again, the first book I used to read for my quiet time was Ezekiel. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Ezekiel. <laughs> that was the first book I ever read as a born again Christian. Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah. Extreme to extreme. Hey. <laughs> I read Ezekiel. I remember when my mother goes to work in the morning, I'll be reading Ezekiel. By the time she returns, I'm on the same seat, still on Ezekiel. You don't know me well. <laughs> That's why these six orangus, they don't know the person they are dealing with. Somebody who read Ezekiel as his uh, Facebook as a spiritual baby. New believers. Ezekiel. The visions of Ezekiel. Seeing the wall in the temple with the lizards and, and I'm getting revelations from it. Yes. Me, I haven't gone to New Believer School before. That as you see me here, I haven't gone through new new believer school. Uh, well, I don't know how you are doing your Christianity these days. If they don't bring a bus, you won't come to church. We used to walk to church. When my mother said, should I be the one to go and work and give you money? How do you think I went to church? We, we used to walk. Small, 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 like you are visiting a friend. Then you continue to visit another friend. But the time is you are in church. Then my father said, you cannot come home late. One day went for a convention. I have forgotten who was preaching. When I got home, I've been fasting. Have you seen that fasting, that common saying that didn't work again? So when I got home, around 11, I said, no, around 1. I said, no, I must eat before I sleep. So I went to the kitchen. I don't know what demon was in the kitchen that day. As I removed the top of the pan, I put the light off. Have you seen that one where you eat in darkness? I, I put all the light, the top of the pan has fallen on the floor. But my father has come to the kitchen. The person I've avoided, though, 
Then he looked at me. Do you know the question he asked me in 1998? He asked me, why are you coming at this time? Are you the bishop of the church? <laughs> yes. But he was prophesying. It's true. 1990, he came to ask me, are you the bishop of the church? Yes. You see, you, you cannot go far without paying a price. You cannot. It's your Christianity. Or you remain at a low place. Suffering. Suffering means you'll be subject to pain. So if you don't like pain, eh, you'll be an aquaba lady. Airport star. Smile at the door. You are welcome. That way you won't go too far with God. No pain. No gain. Number two. Suffering means you will experience adversity, affliction, hardship, and misery. Misery. You know, sometimes you should question your Christianity. The Bible says, examine yourself and see if you are in the faith. Because these are the pointers on the Christian journey. These are the pointers. I'm not, once again, I'm not saying where, where, Torn clothes, but at a point, my favorite clothes were all torn. You see me wearing the trousers, it's torn. And so one day, when I got into a relationship, see, that's why Jesus didn't get beloved and all these type of people to be changing his mind about what his father has put in his heart. One day, my beloved came to ask me that, look, what is the use? So when I told her, I said, look, wearing torn clothes doesn't make you humble. Me that I've been serving my God, though. He has never told me this. You, you have just come. Look at what you are telling me. Wearing torn clothes doesn't make you humble. But I saw it was true. So I stopped wearing the torn clothes. Hey, women, they are powerful though. If you know you are not strong, don't go and add them to your life. <laughs> I haven't worn torn clothes even these days. I can dress up. I'm going somewhere. When I go and tell her, she look at me and say, your trousers are looking old. <laughs> ah, but I was wearing them before I came to tell you I'm going out. Oh. So your trousers are looking old. Now look at the trousers. <laughs> I can't see it's old. But they have told me it's looking old. I have to be obedient. I have to now go and change it. They will tell me, when you are preaching, the people will be looking at you. But before I wore that other one, I knew they would look at me. <laughs> If I remember recently, as I was even telling her, I was, she was asleep. Oh. In her sleep, she told me that Charles is looking old. I stood there. She didn't open her eyes again. Oh. I went back to go and change the trouser. Then I get to tell her that I'm going there. She opened one eye and said, Ah, this is better. <laughs> oh! They converted me from John the Baptist to Pilate. <laughs> yes. That's why Jesus, he didn't go for these guys. Oh. No. Like on the cross, they ask you that, ah, there's another way of saving the world. Is the cross the only way to save the world? Then Jesus will say that, oh, it's true. There are other ways of saving the world. Then he will come down from the cross. Jesus didn't mind those people at all. He only made them give him food to eat. 
suffering means you go through misfortune, comfort, and difficulties. You see, look, I've been watching and I watch soldiers being trained. Look, you see, there's nothing like developing in anything without suffering. In fact, the higher you go in the military, the more suffering they impose on you as part of your training. Some of the things here, you will never even experience them in real life, but they train you to prepare in case you have to go through it. When the Taliban took over Afghanistan, I read the story of some British special forces. If let's say it's in Ghana, when the Taliban took over, they were, they were in Tamale. And he caught them unawares. Twelve of them in the desert. What would they do? If they catch them, they are dead. So, they bought two taxis in Tamale. And they have to get to Kotoka airport. They bought two taxis. And they hired Afghan soldiers to drive them to Kotoka airport. And they dread like Taliban when they the full one with their face. Every checkpoint they get to, they'll say they are Taliban women who are coming to congratulate the Taliban fighters in Accra. And the Taliban, they don't talk to women. Let me tell you why. Do you know they cover, why they cover that? Like a full one with their nets. In Islam, you, you love this one, you love this one. Listen, in Islam, they believe that, listen, listen to this, very nice. They believe that a woman's face has a corrupting influence. It's beautiful. So the more of your face you cover, the more pure they will be. They told me in their sleep, your trouser is old with one eye open. <laughs> but by looking at their face, it corrupted me and I went to change the trouser. <laughs> That's what the Taliban don't want at all. <laughs> yes. So they drove two days, two days old, through checkpoints to their airports. A few meters to the, to the airport, they got down from the car and approached again. They gave a code. Then they opened the door and they entered. When they entered, if it was you and I, we would have knelt down. When they got there, they just asked them that. Wow! When they removed their Taliban, they said, oh, we are soldiers. The Americans were shocked. They said, what can we do for you? Do you know they said, can you give us a cup of tea? That's all. Is that this is normal in our lives? You see, but Christians, we don't subject, we are not willing to accept any difficulty. So when something small happens to us, then we start saying, What well, God cannot do does not exist. What God cannot do does not exist, then why did you walk to church? Yeah. There are many things that God cannot do. Many. I don't understand that thing they are saying. You see, this type of sins, what God cannot do that, it doesn't prepare us. For the realities of the Christian life. Did Jesus, the God you are saying cannot do, cannot do, didn't you go and beg for the cup to be passed away from him? And the father said no. Many things that God will not do. <laughs> the Bible says with God nothing is impossible. The Bible does not say that God will do all things. That's what the Bible says. Some nice sounding Christian, it's not even a Christian sentence. Things to just encourage us, motivational say that we are God. Many things that God does not uh, do and will never do, which are even good. His own son went to beg him. He didn't mind him, then you. Ah, you 
food that he had adopted. The one that he gave birth to really know. He didn't even mind him. Then you. See, we, see, we don't prepare ourselves for the Christian journey. But we did not I was reading Ezekiel. From there, I went to Jeremiah. That was, that was the next book I read. The Lamentations of Jeremiah. <laughs> yes. That was the next book I read. These were my foundational books in Christianity. That's why there's nothing I cannot do for God. When I went to India, Bishop Saki told me, you are going to the... In India, I went to buy a student's mattress and put it on the floor. That's where I was sleeping. And I said, ah, what am I looking for here? I'm just here to serve God. Why do I need a bed? What would a bed do for me? Just put the mattress on the floor. Bought a pillow and put it on there. Even I was trying to save also the bed sheet was not even big enough to cover the mattress. <laughs> By the time I got I saw that the bed, the mattress was bigger than the bed sheet. There's nothing. Our quest for luxury is defiling us and it's not making the but when you bought it, you should use it. So when you don't use it, you feel bad. So the instead of sacrifice, we move away from the sacrifice. But read your Bible in Daniel. He said, when the Antichrist comes, he will remove sacrifice from the temple. Your inability to sacrifice and the extent to which you are not prepared to sacrifice is a direct result of the extent and the amount and the quantum of the presence of the Antichrist in you. But I see him going out this morning. We are closing soon. Are you happy we are closing soon so that we don't go further? Because the things are getting worse. <laughs> Suffering means, look at this one, it's nice. It means to be tormented, to be tortured, and to experience adversity. You know, last week I began to read the book of Mark. It's a more gentle book, isn't it? Mark. You know, and I was reading, the Bible says that Local and the spirit drove Jesus to the wilderness. Look at what happened. Look at what the Bible says where he was with the wild beasts, and Satan tempted him, and the angels ministered to him. The way your life is, there's no reason for angels to minister to you. Your boss is, is ministering to you, husband is ministering to you, mother ministering to you. There's no reason for angels to come in, but in the wilderness. The Bible says that where Jesus was with the wild beasts. You see, as I read, it ministered to me that this our quest for a comfortable life. It's not Christ-like. You see, if it comes, praise God. The Bible says that God gives us all things freely to enjoy. Yeah. So if God had given it to you, enjoy it. I can assure you that by the grace of God, I enjoy a nice life. But I'm not looking for it. That is not my aim. That is not my quest. When it comes, praise God. But I don't want to Whenever I have had a chance to choose, I always choose nothingness. It's true. It's true. You'll be surprised. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. The Bible says, For unto you, unto us, unto all of us, it is given. In the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake, 
having the same conflict which you saw in me and now you hear be in me. What the Bible says, you see, not just Paul, see, anybody who has followed Christ has embraced suffering. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says that and when Moses matured and came to years, he chose rather you see, when it is time for you to choose, what do you choose? The Bible says he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of Christ than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a moment. Now, sin, they don't think too much about fornication, drinking, smoking, lying, murder. They are all sins. But sin is anything that is contrary to the will of God. Anything at all. So even marrying the wrong person is sin. Not marrying when you should marry a sin. And in marriage, not committing love with your spouse when you should is also sin. The Bible even calls it defrauding. It's a criminal offense. I don't know how many criminals you have in church today, but I'm just saying that the Bible calls it defrauding. Do not defraud one another. Yes. Anything against the word of God is a sin. And the Bible says that, next verse 24, says that, Choosing rather, and the Bible explains how he was able to choose affliction. He said that for he saw him who was invisible and esteemed the treasures, the treasures of Christ, greater riches. You see, you should understand that if you truly believe in God, eh, everything about God will be greater than anything on earth. Abraham. Why would he be prepared to um, kill his son? The Bible says that for Abraham believed that God was able to bring him back to life. You see, when you have faith in God, it puts everything in perspective. When you have faith in God, unless you don't believe that Jesus walked on the sea, unless you don't believe in that two fish and five will fed 5,000 men beside women and children, if you do, you will not be afraid of losing money, knowing that God can replace it one million times. And like the Hebrew boys said, and even if it doesn't, all the book of Nazar, be it known unto you, we will still not bow to you. <laughs> yes, yeah, said, our God can deliver us. But the book of Nazar, we even want you to know that even if God won't deliver us, as for you, dear, we won't bow to you. We want you to know ahead. The book of the, once again, why would they believe something like this? Seeing him who is invisible. When you know that God is in your bedroom, God is with you in the secret, it will guide what you, what you can do and what you cannot do when nobody is there. As for your tithe, only you know what 10% is. Yes. But when you know that the invisible God knows your bank balance, knows your salary, it's you, and if you're afraid of him, it's you who will pay the 10%. Once again, knowing that that 10% is nothing to God. God can touch somebody's heart to give you 1,000 of that 10%. Next week, we will continue with sacrifice. But I think we are delaying on this thing. Acts 14, Confirming the souls of the disciples, this apostle Paul, 
and exhorting them, encouraging them. This is the encouragement. How does through much tribulation, not a little tribulation, much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. Not little, much tribulation. But in today's world, what God cannot do does not exist. <laughs> and he butter my bread, he sugar my cocoa. See, all the things so like Christianity is easy. Come for butter, come for bread, come for cocoa. <laughs> Look, a lot of the of what we call praise and worship eh, is Jama. I'm telling you the truth. In the church, what we call praise and worship is Jama, is moral. That's why the Commonwealth boys can just change the words and use it for their uh, morale. It's not praise and worship. It's Jama. Morale. I'm telling you. But this morning, you know, as I woke up, there was a song I'd heard, you know, and it came into my spirit. So I said, let me play it on the way to church. And let me hear it and let it minister to me. I don't know what it says. The song is this song, um, The Champion by Nathaniel Bassey and Joe Metal. Hey! You see, as I listen to them, I said, no, no, no. This song is not Jama. This song is not even about God has done something for me. Let me even thank him. There's nothing about benefits to me in the song. It's all about God, who you are. God, who you are. You see, and I'm seeing that gospel songs, eh, God seems to choose the ones he makes work and the one that nobody will like. <laughs> many, eh, many people do songs. Oh. Some you never, even the person cried that didn't hear his own song again after he has released it. <laughs> yes. Even the person. But there are some people. Look, I was listening to this girl um, since in and she was saying that when she was introducing at the beginning of, of her concert, she said, I was a little village girl in Nigeria. And she said that God gave me a dream that one day he would take me to the world. You see, when you listen to her songs, you can see that there's nothing extraordinary about it. So many people have done similar songs, but God just seems to ignore the song. Ignore the song. But you see, the ones that are anointed, simple melody, simple song, it goes everywhere. Look, live your life in a way that God will choose you. And God will choose your things. And I can assure you that all those things come from secret and seen relationships with him. Secret. Jesus Christ said, pray to your God in secret. And your God who sees in secret shall reward you openly. Every time you see open reward, it is a reflection, it is a manifestation of a secret relationship. It's a bit like pregnancy. Every time you see a pregnant woman, there's only one thing she has done in secret. It's like that. That manifestation you see is a result of secret acts. It's true. Not public acts. Many people do public show. It's true. Even this small girl, uh, Prince Harry, went to marry. You can see, only problem she has brought. When they are in public, she started to say, they told her, this royal family, we don't touch ourselves in public. But you see her, every time she has put her hand on her husband's knees, she, she has destroyed the small boy's life. By public show. 
Mr. Kokos, you see, kissing in public. Oh, I'm telling you. The ones who are in public, they don't know themselves. You will find out what they are doing in their room. It's that, look, look, I've been doing this pastoral work for years. One of the people I pity most are people who are married, who don't know God. You see, they use external dressing, lipstick, makeup to make them look attractive. In their house, there's nothing. Many husbands have come to me to complain that their wife just wear cloth around their chest. Like somebody selling tomatoes at Okaishi. I don't even know where they're selling the tomatoes at. Or onions at Ajen Kotoku. I don't know where they are. But rather, you see, the one who outside... <laughs> yeah, I cannot say this one. <laughs> Look, in conclusion, in conclusion, <laughs> no, there was something a certain Christian sister told me when she compared herself to her unbeliever friends in the bank. I was shocked myself. You see that they never follow external things that are nice. Yes. Secret relationship with God. Secret suffering. Secret sacrifices. Jesus Christ said, let not even your left hand know what your right hand has done. I was a younger Christian. Bishop's birthday, Christmas, those things. I'll give him a gift from Toss and Lulu. My wife's name is Lulu. From Toss and Lulu. So then one day I got up, I said, no. I called my wife for a meeting. I said, you know something? Me and you, we are different. Is it true or not true? Our relationship with Bishop too is different. So from today, you give from Lulu, I give from Toss. <laughs> it's true. Give what is in your heart. It should have give what is in my heart. All of us, we are different. How I see him is different from how you. Maybe you see him bigger than me. It's okay. You do your own and let me do mine. Yes. I saw myself only going higher from secret. If you see Bishop and I, you maybe think I don't know him. He'll be standing somewhere. I'll be standing somewhere. Is that if it, and I saw that you even take someone like a pastor in the UK, Bishop Richard. When it's with you, you even think he doesn't know him. He's standing somewhere. somewhere. The way Bishop is going to say, Ricardo, then you come and sit in the sky. And you who was talking to him, laughing, they've left you there. <laughs> secret. Always look for the secret unseen relationship. When you are losing for God, unseen, nobody should see it. You are giving money to God. Nobody, I mean, I mean, imagine if, if you are bringing me a gift, then after church or like that, you come and say, Oh, Apostle, please have an every. I may say, Oh, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. Everybody see that maybe you know me. Oh no, no, no. Now, when I go to churches, even before I go, I send them a message that I don't want you to give me any gift the day I'm there. So it's like people see that, oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Anything you want to do, let it be. Your your heart is revealed in secret. It's true. That's what the Bible says that God doesn't look at their heart. So it doesn't look at their outside. The external, the tall, handsome. No, no, that's not how we marry you. If I were to marry again, I'll marry different. It's true. And this is, I see when I'm advising people to marry, they cannot even believe the person I'm telling them, oh, this is a good one. You won't believe it. Through experience, 
have learned never follow what you see. Usually, 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 most of the time, what you see is opposite to what is true. For example, <laughs> for example, should I give you the example? You watch. Women who use makeup a lot are not pretty naturally. Is that, is it, okay, you, let's go home. Don't preach again. Let's go home. I, I said I won't preach again. Let's go home. Yes. Women who are truly pretty, they don't use makeup much. A little lip gloss will say, let's say here. Yeah. The ones who, hey, I say, let me tell you something in conclusion. If we don't want to close. One day, when I was in the university, I was put in charge of the female hostel. And next A and B. So and B was for the women, A was for the men. So my job was that I'll wake them up for morning devotion. I didn't grow up with sisters. The only woman in my house has been my mother who doesn't use makeup. If she uses makeup, she's going for a wedding and that powder in that round container. Then she'll put some, the one they need the foam to do uh, that one. I've never seen my mom use makeup. So me, mom, dear, from my heart, I've always felt that what you see, that's how she looks, to be honest. So when I was giving that job to wake the people up for morning devotion, there were some Nigerian girls. Hey, when you see the face smooth, like towels, brownish. Hey, it's like the whole face, no, the whole face is smooth. One level, I don't level, like there are no bumps up or the one that goes in. It's all equi level. The level is the same. So I thought that's how it, they are. Because what I know is from my mother and the university, men and women don't stay in the same room. So I haven't seen some before. So my first dawn, I went to wake them up. 4.15, 4.30. I knocked on the door. They came out. Before, you may think I'm exaggerating or joking, but when she opened the door, is that the body was what I was expecting. But the face was different from what I've known for months. So, I almost asked her, why is there a problem? Like, maybe she's sick. Have, have you seen that some sicknesses, your face can swell? You see, you are laughing, you think I'm joking, I'm telling you the truth. Have you seen that maybe a reaction to shrimps? Or you want to eat crab you shouldn't eat or shrimps you are reacting so i thought the girl was sick allergy 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 so i was about to ask her are you okay then something like, control yourself like, control yourself <laughs> so i didn't say that just, oh, i came to wake you up for the morning devotion then i quickly but i was confused that i was with that did i speak to the correct person but i was there when they came the face is smooth again that was what I saw that, hey! I saw why the thing, it changes. Hey! That was the day that for the faith, what I've heard Bishop preach and say, don't marry a girl. And, but I didn't understand. Like, so you see here in the morning, I didn't understand. But that the day, I said, no. Never marry a girl until you've seen her in the morning. Without makeup before. 
because, because, because you may wake up on your wedding bed and say, no, no, I protest, I protest. No, like you go to court and say, I was deceived into whatever. No, no, this is not what I married. I protest. It's true. Do you know that in the 1800s, they banned makeup in the UK? Because they said it's a form of witchcraft. 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 Yes. They banned makeup. The men were being bewitched. Yes. Because you marry something that was fair. And somehow the thing is actually dark. You marry something that is like leopard skin. But what you saw was like a uh, uh, what? Sea sand. One color. But in actual fact, it's like zebra. It's like zebra. Yes. I tell you. So be careful about following external looks. One day I saw somebody. Plenty cars. I said, hey, Charlie, the guy is with you. There's somebody who could do a lot of it is loans. I said, oh, but if it's loan, then just buy one. But you have five. All the five are loans. So why don't you stay with one and pay for the one? Then you are finished. Be careful. That's what I said. Your Christian life too. Be careful about doing your... Jesus Christ told the Pharisee that you people there, you do your Christian life to be seen by men, you have received your reward. What Jesus Christ said, the reward you have is that men saw you. That's all. Not that God has reward. No, no, no. Men saw you praying. That is your reward for your prayer. You are seen to be praying. You see, but this series I'm preaching, losing salvation, is that what is between you and God? Yes, you and God. Never be deceived that you don't see me giving offering in church. Oh, I know I give more than all of you. Secretly. Even recently, they came to tell me we did some calculation. I saw how much I had given. I didn't believe it. I just said, oh, give this one. Give this amount. Give this amount. How much can you eat? Look, a millionaire's watch is the same price as the poor man's watch. All of them are 20 Ghana cities. You cannot eat much anymore. Give to God. Secretly. Practice. You love your beloved. Don't be holding him out. And I saw I guess, ah, Do you love your beloved? What have you to do? The secret. Something I tell the girls when you go out with your beloved, pretend there's food on his mouth and you are removing it. Secret. Like, the guy can't think again, he'll propose to you the next day. <laughs> Let's turn to happy. Let's start. You don't want me to close. Yes. Pray for yourself. That God will give you the spiritual power. A spiritual power of losing, suffering for his sake, sacrificing for his sake, dying for his sake. Lift up your voice. Speak between you and God. Talk to him. Nobody knows you the way you know yourself. Commit your Christian life to God. You know things about yourself that nobody does. Commit your body. 
Commit your spirit. Commit your soul. Your time. Your finances. When you write your will, leave something for God in it. Yes. In all your calculations, God, his church, his kingdom, secretly should be part. Rashalabu samikafala. Between you and God, pray, come, rededicate your life to God. Rededicate your life to God. Pray and rededicate your life to God. Ask God to take full control in the secret. In the secret. Where no eyes can see. That God may be pleased with you. That he may say, Well done, good and faithful servant. That he may say, This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. May you hear these words, in whom I am well pleased. May God speak these words over you, that he is well pleased, well pleased with you because of how you conduct your Christian life. Well pleased. There's this song we used to sing if you can sing it, let's sing it together. When the music fades and all is stripped away, then I simply come. If you can put the words on the screen, longing just to bring something that's a word. Can still play the drums if it's alive. Oh, I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have with Oh, you search much deeper with it You search much deeper with it Through the way they
to this one. Those were worship songs. You know when you sing them, if it's worship, when you sing them, they immediately take you into God's presence. Because the Bible says God inhabits the praises. Not any song. If it is a praise song to him, he inhabits it. So as soon as you start singing it, you say the presence of God. And if you are deep enough, you even imagine that God is standing in front of you when you worship. There were songs like that. There were other songs similar to this one were like this. It's all about you, Jesus, and all this is for you, for your glory and your fame. It's all about me. As if you should do things my way. As if you should do things my way. You alone. You alone, that Lord. And I surrender. And all this is for you. 
Amen. 